Good to be together, isn't it? Yeah. Bob and Nancy are here. Let's give them a welcome all the way from California. Sunshine State will take some of that. Actually, you guys brought the first little clearing that we've had in a while, so thanks for coming. Yeah, that's part of the sky out there. Yep. It's a struggle. A lot of us want the fires to burn. We're trying looking for smokeless. If you want a specific prayer burn, we're looking for a smokeless fire. I don't know. Just thought I'd mention it if you want to pray for something specific. You have not because you ask not. Anyway, uh, started off in Thessalonians here. But ye, brethren, this has been with me today, are not in darkness that the day should overtake you as a thief, but ye are all children of light and children of the day. I love that. Uh, I was listening to Gary Snow, and he said, if you're waiting for the day of the Lord, I got a piece of information for you. You are the day of the Lord. And I've been thinking about that because it's just a simple line that just says it in a different way. Uh, what is going on when you get involved with the life of Christ? Things go from night to day. I like that. I'm ready to, I'm ready to not just be able to want to be in the day, but to start being a part of the day. Uh, that's exciting news. So uh, if you take a, a part of that and you consider what that means, that should put a smile on your face, no matter whether there's smoke in the sky or not. Uh, that's an inside job that isn't going to go away. Okay, let's gather.
just uh, having been out among, uh, well, I use the word crazy, and I don't, I don't mean that in a judgmental way, but it's like, it's the only word that comes to describe what you see. Um, it just, this looks n normal, like you're normal looking. Nice, refreshing. Like everybody looks nice without all the decoration, I would say that. I even, uh, looking back there, Aunt Reb, you look great tonight. Always nice having you with us when there's fires around. You feel a little uh, protected, don't you? But, um, <clears throat> he can direct from the sidelines, right? I just got back from a couple of weeks uh, total, but I spent a lot of time in Pennsylvania. And um, one thing I do there when I, that I don't do here, sadly, is I, exercise, I do exercise. Like I have to almost to keep, keep things clear and keep sharp. And uh, I jog. Now, not run, but just jog. And I usually have, uh, or historically have jogged through um, past um, the, the sewage plant, believe it or not. I don't know what the Lord ever speaks in that, but I always kind of like, I can remember that as a kid going by there and I would hold my breath on going past here. But now I, uh, I run through the cemetery and it's life-giving, you know. <laughs> But I usually run past my dad's uh, tombstone there. Now, I don't talk to the dead, but I would have a few words I would say to him if I could. But anyway, um, I find myself really at, like just trying to talk to God. I, I think so much of the, our relationship uh, grows when, when we just have a normal dialogue with God, like just talk, talk to him. That's form of prayer, just communion. It's not, it can be on your knees, needs to be a time of waiting, but for the most part, we're on the go a lot and, and God can talk to us. He can hit a moving target. He, he's God, right? But I find myself listening most every time I go down there to uh, the first or the last, maybe 10 or 12 chapters of Samuel, 1 Samuel. And um, I get a lot out of it because it really deals with, um, a lot of that deals with the relationship between David and Saul. Who Saul was to be king and David took his place basically and Saul was threatened. And, and jealousy is a fierce to be reckoned with if you've ever been under that kind of an influence. Like it just, it will, it will want to bring the person that you're jealous of down. And, uh, I guess I find myself it, it, just listening to David's response and how he navigated through those times. It helps me in my response, I guess, um, when, when I feel like any time when I'm there, I could misstep and say something out of turn and fall under attack. And uh, I, I really want to have the right kind of response. Like, 
not rehearse, but practice. And I think, I think for some of us, uh, you know, you look at David's response. He just would not go after the Lord because Saul, he was so deserving. Um, but yet David did not take matters into his own hands. He, he, he really gave place to the Spirit of the Lord. Um, you know, and some of us have pretty poor responses when we are deserving of being attacked, much less when we're not and undeserving of it. If you think about it, and I think as people of God, we really have got to stop excusing our poor response to people. I mean, you read, you read those last 12 chapters of 1 Samuel, you, you'll get a good picture of, of, of the life of, of David, who really was very careful in honoring uh, of the Lord's, uh, uh, because of who Saul was at the time. Anyway, but this one verse caught my attention because I felt like I could relate to this. And it's in the first, it's in chapter 20. You don't need to, to turn, but it was, David was just like understanding what, and he was talking to Jonathan, Saul's son, like what, what's going on with your dad? Like, what have I done? Like, what have I done to deserve what's coming back at me, right? He was trying to make sense of it. Like, I just can't, I don't get it. And, and, and it says in verse three, and David swear, I don't know what language he used, but that's what it says. Moreover, and said, thy father certainly knoweth, he's talking to Jonathan about, his, about Saul, that I have found grace in thine eyes. And he saith, let not Jonathan know this, lest he be grieved. But truly, this is David, as the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, there is but a step between me and death. And it's like, that caught my attention. Anybody ever felt like that? There, there is but a step between me and death. It's like you can, you can feel, you can just feel that, that place. It's just like, oh, a foreboding or just an uneasiness and you just, and you don't, you don't know the outcome of the situation. And that's where there's a strength in the relationship that we can draw on at those times. This word really deals with faint-hearted. And uh, maybe if, you, if you've never been faint-hearted or felt threatened, um, then it's not for you, perhaps. But I had, I had one time in my life, literally, where I felt where my life was threatened. And I, 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 I've written a book or two on it. You know how that is. <laughs> But if you've never, I mean, I felt threatened before, but when someone literally physically threatens you, um, I felt like there was but a step between me and death. But I had to say it did a work in me, and, and I realized how easily my heart was moved, not in a good, not in a good way. And what was good that came out of it was the sense of realizing um, that I wasn't where I thought I was. For my heart to be so easily moved under that kind of an accusation, it's like, I should, I think I should be where I'm not, where I'm not I guess, and I, and I had to really do some, some business with that, but it was disturbing, disturbing to see how quickly I felt my heart became faint-hearted, like just, it was, it was moved. 
But with that, I guess what I want to underscore that even with that, I have to say tonight that God knows that and God's in the business of helping the faint hearted and the weak at heart and the fearful of heart. I mean, some of us have a lot of things going on where we could like short of God really propping us up. I mean, that's what we're left with apart from God moving in and blowing in our sails. We're, we're really faint hearted. I mean, I can, I can muster a lot of strength. And I mean, I, in this one chapter, you know, David, you know, remember that famous line, he, he strengthened himself. I think even that took the work of God for him to be able to do that. Like, I, I can't even figure out how to do that when I'm down. Like, I can, I can prophesy, I can do this. But a lot of energy and a lot of froth on my part isn't going to do it. It's, it's really a yielding to, to, to allow God to put that kind of strength in me. That's what I'm talking about. Strength to go on that will finish what God really intends for us to finish. So this is in chapter 20. I read, I read this is in Deuteronomy. Uh, just listen, I guess, would be the best. You can turn to it if you want. But um, it's the first couple of verses of this. It says, when thou goest out to battle, this is a little long. I know we like lengthy scriptures. So I'll try to make it exciting. When thou goest out to battle against thine enemies and seest horses and chariots and people more than thou, be not afraid of it. Right? For the Lord thy God is with thee, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. And it shall be when ye are come nigh unto the battle that the priest shall approach and speak unto the people and shall say unto them, Hear ye, O Israel, ye approach this day unto the battle against your enemies. Lose not your heart. Let not. Lose not your heart. Don't lose heart. Let not your heart faint. Fear not and do not tremble. Neither be ye terrified because of them. For the Lord your God is he that goeth with you to fight for you against your enemies, to save you. And the officers shall speak unto the people, saying, What man is there that has built a house and not dedicated? You remember, you might read, know the list. Uh, it goes on. What is there uh, that has planted a vineyard or taken a wife? I'll skip through all that. Get down to verse 8. It says, Then the officers shall speak further unto the people, and they shall say, What man is there that is fearful and faint-hearted, let him go and return unto his house, lest his brethren heart faint, as well as his heart. Uh, there's a similar passage here. Um, I'll reference it in, in Isaiah 7. It's when the king of Syria joined or came together with uh, Israel to fight against Judah. And when it was told Judah, it says that his heart was moved and the heart of his people. When Judah heard that there was allies formed to move against him, it says his heart was moved. I don't, I don't like that. I mean, I'm, I have been asking God, Lord, <laughs> like, don't, don't you desire a steadfast heart? That regardless of what comes, I mean, like, we, we, it, it comes out very easily. Uh, all the list of things that Paul went through and he says, but, but what? 
None. None of these things move me. You know, I, we're, we're serving a God in His love and His faithfulness. If there's something still, if there's any trace, and with some of you oaks, he has to do some investigative work to find any trace in you that can be moved. Whatever that is, God in His love and His faithfulness is allowing it to come your way. To put strength in you. Not to defeat you. Not to degrade you. You find that that's the God that you serve? I mean, I, I kind of would like Him to shelter me from some of my weaknesses and some of my openness. That, that's not the God that I'm getting acquainted with. He, it's like a vaccination. He's, he's allowing it to come our way so that as we embrace it and trust Him, and we see his faithfulness, it puts strength in us. It says his heart was moved in the heart of his people as the trees of the wood are moved with the wind. And then it goes on, and Isaiah was sent to speak to them. Take heed and, uh, and, be, and, and be quiet. Fear not, neither be faint-hearted. It says, for thus the Lord God, it shall not stand neither shall it come to pass. That was the encouragement that they, that they really received from the Lord. Psalm 57, this is when I believe David was, uh, interestingly, he was in the cave and he found himself with an opportunity here to, to seek revenge on Saul's adversary. Remember what he did instead? He, he had some encouragement in the group to say, hey, this is the opportunity the Lord has presented and it took it took a fixed heart that's why he says my heart is fixed oh god my heart is fixed my heart is steadfast that's in psalm 57 and uh, i believe that had he not made that declaration and i think that came i would say possibly as a as a cry and a prayer because without a fixed heart you know what he would have done when he had that opportunity, he would have taken revenge. He would have taken. Like God's got to fix our hearts so that we don't take our own. The alternative is me taking my own direction. What am I left with? What are you left with in any area where you take and I take my own direction apart from God's purpose for me? It's not going to bode well, I don't think. Um, Anybody, any, anybody faint-hearted tonight, right? I mean, I, I maybe told you I, I was, uh, this was maybe two years ago, I, had, I fainted. The only time I ever fainted, I was, it was at uh, the retirement center where Karen, Karen's mom is, and uh, I was, I realized why I fainted, but um, I stood up too, I was kneeling down and I stood up too quick and I just, I just went down. And, and fortunately, my wife, she didn't, you know, there's all kinds of buzzers and beepers going off there. It's like call, calling for attendance. You know what, what woke me up? Like, I just remember my Karen calling, Richard, Richard, Richard. It's like sometimes the, to the faint-hearted, there needs to be somebody around them at times breathing in life and calling them forth. Remember Milton, right? Come forth, Milton. Anyway, whatever, that's my... Uh, my bout with um, fainting on that note. 
But I believe God has really taken us through, as I said, uh, the paces and exposing us to, to a level of warfare, whatever, wherever there would be any openness for discouragement. I mean, is, it, 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 is he keeping your face in those places where you could? If, if you get given to, this, to your own conclusion in, in the seeing of the eye, you're left with discouragement. I mean, I, I, am I talking to myself maybe? I mean, like, I'm not trying to put words in your mouth. I just, I just know that the Lord has given us that kind of exposure in allowing that kind of warfare. You look at what David went through in those chapters there at the end of 1 Samuel. He was, not, um, he was not sheltered. He was not protected from the very thing that really was out to do him harm. But rather, as he, as, he, as he drew close to the Spirit of God, he was empowered to be able to walk through it. Right. But I really believe with this also, um, and I, I guess for whatever reason, I feel to make this make a point here that. Uh, not that it's OK to be faint hearted, but in the right way, I believe God takes us through times where it's unavoidable. Like I just can't say I can't help myself. And, you know, we we have been so conditioned to be uh, ramped up Caleb and Joshua company that's going to assert like we're going to we're taking the land. And I, I don't always uh, I have to be honest and honesty is not always so good. But there are times you just don't feel like it's, you, you know, God, you got to you got to put it in me like it's not I, I don't I don't have what it takes. You know, I don't, I, I don't feel like I'm one of David's mighty men. I'd like to be. I can look around and I can see a lot of people. It's like they're, they're courageous. And, you know, they're, they're, they're weary but pursuing. And I feel like I'm, 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 I'm faint-hearted, I guess. And you, you, you can almost feel, uh, I, for lack of a better word, I guess you can feel a bit of, of shame at, at, at not having the courage or not being what you think or maybe what somebody else thinks you should be when, when inside it's like you're just, you're begging God for courage. God, I need, I gotta, I gotta have courage to take another step to keep going on in that note. And I guess even in some ways, I guess one thing my, uh, my brother has really helped me over the years, this is Joe is to be careful with my judgments because he's very touchy about uh, any about people judging him. And I was like the fiercest. I was cheapest probably. And I really genuinely have had to soften my views, you know, and, how, and I think even how, and it's helped me how I assess situations and make evaluations here. It's like I can look at someone that may feel like, yeah, that, that they're parked on the side. You know, if you're on the side or you feel like God can give the growth even on the sideline, folks. You look at the best sports teams, right? They have, they, they rotate in and out. They're not on the field every play of the game. You understand that, right? I mean, I'm thinking of the best sport, football, of course, but... 
I can recall. Um, you just don't know what God's doing in somebody that may appear like they are. I hate the word retreat because I will say with this, if you're if you feel like you're you're faint hearted, keep reaching in. Don't don't retreat from the things of God. Don't that. I can remember, this is quite a few years back, it would have been at least 15. For a period of time, I really felt like I was sidelined. And, um, and it was very hard to come to grips with, with that feeling in that place. Like I just did not, I can remember talking to God like I don't, I don't feel like I, I, I want to lead an elders meeting. I don't feel like this and that. Brother Bill was, was um, he was saying pretty regularly, I have restless legs, so he said, remember that was my medication. Because I looked like I was in someplace else. I mean, I just, and I, you know, I was. But I couldn't be where I wasn't. And I had to, I had to say, like, I'm, I'm okay with this. God, can you meet me here? Can you meet me in this place where I feel, I, I just, I didn't, I just, and I was very thankful. It's like, uh, particularly my wife she didn't realize it probably, but she just was like not, not cheerleading me on, but like holding me inside in the, in the right kind of way. Sometimes it's just a look or like, this, this is who you are. I'm thankful for people that will hold you to who you really are, regardless of what you may be seeing. They have enough maturity to not take you at face value and not react to what you're saying, but inside, like they know, you know, they just see something else that's gone on that God's doing a deeper work and that you're going to get through it. And, and God, you know, people didn't quit on me. I'm not making, a, making it more than what it was for the, to make a point here. I just know it was very real to me. It was much more real to me than what most people knew. Like I did it for the longest time, like I marched in place, I had I had my duty. Duty's okay for a while. I mean, it, but ultimately it's got to go a lot deeper than your duty. Right. You know, your obligation or what you should. That that and that that guilt has just got to go, folks. But you got to grapple with God wherever you are tonight, whatever condition your heart is. And I want, I believe, the Spirit of God wants to put strength in your heart to to buoy our hearts up. I mean, apart from that, we're not going to get, we won't get to the finish line, right? I'm reminded of what Ernest said. I don't even know. I kind of looked this up. I never found out whether, if it's backed by anything, but Ernest said it, Brother Ernest Watkins, about the thoroughbred, you know, like um, halfway, no, three quarters through the, the race, the, thorough, the, the thoroughbred's given everything it's got. In the last quarter of the, of the race, it's gone on what? Heart. <laughs> and I believe so strongly. That's, it, that's what it's going to take for us to finish this, folks. It's, it's not going to take our head trying to figure out what's going on, what I need to do. As I said, maybe the last time I spoke, I talk about the daily offer. I don't, I don't even know what God wants in any given day of me. I, Lord, what am I to offer? He's just saying, son, you give me your heart and I'll show you and I'll do it. I'll do it through you. 
We're going to finish this, folks. It's not, it's, it's not going to be by our brains. It's going to be, it's going to be heart. I have to believe that. Anyway, uh, moving on. This is in, this is in kind of the end of the, I listened to this, uh, the, uh, those chapters on my headset. I really, like I would stop and then I would take some notes and, but it's amazing what God can speak if you just give yourself to the word. However, if you read whatever, it's like God doesn't speak to me. Well, maybe if you would apply yourself, right? And I apply myself. All that said, this was in uh, <clears throat> after the Amalekites burned Ziklag. And that's the time when, when, when they spoke. They spake of stoning David. I mean, that was, and they took they took, uh, burned it, and they took his, the wives, and they took the children, and, all, and off they went. And, and so he had to find another gear to keep going, right? And this is in, uh, it, it says, in he, so David took 600 men, and he pursued. And remember that, that's the line there where he, he recovered all, right? Re, how do you say re, Re, shall we? How was it? Recover all. Remember that? Somebody preached on that from Africa. Recover all. So he did recover all. But it says, really, there was 200 of those guys. Now, we're talking mighty men. But there happened to be 200 of them that only went so far. And they had to reconcile that, like, I, I can't. I can't get over this next hurdle. I can't get over the brook. And, and I want us to look at the, how God dealt with that and leveled the plane. Because 400 of them went on. And they, they destroyed them all. And they recovered all. And they brought back the spoil. Right? Pretty good. 200 stayed behind with the baggage. 400 Mighty man went on. But how did God see that? What about those 200 that, were, that just didn't have it in them to take another step? I know I would possibly be like the 400 that said, let's just look at it here. It says, uh, David came to the two, and he came back with the 200 which were so faint that they could not follow uh, David whom they had made also to abide at the brook Besar. And they went forth to meet David, to meet the people that were there with him, that come back with all the spoil. And when David came near to the people, he saluted them. Then answered all the wicked men, the men of Belial, of those that went with David and said, because they went not with us, we will not give them aught of the spoil that we have received, save to every man his wife and his children that they may lead them away and depart. Then David said, ye shall not do so. Ah, uh, this is the ways of men that lean on their own understanding. This is the way it should play out, carnally. There's something deeper we got to look for. Ye shall not do so, my brethren, with them which the Lord, with them, with that, okay, he understood 
how they acquired the, the spoil and who gave it to them. He shall not do with that which the Lord hath given us, who hath preserved us and delivered the company. It wasn't the 400 men, the valiant warriors, right? We're, those that were weary at pursuing. are going to wear and, and I, you know, I guess I would rather err on the side of, of being, taking some form of action rather than being passive. But I'm finding that the form of action that God is looking for, it, it requires a tenacious trust. More than doing something, it, 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 take, it takes more courage at times to, to wait and trust than just to, to busy yourself with something. You ever know, if you busy yourself, I'm busy because I want some measurable result. And, and God's raising us up where I'm not, I, 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 I can't be looking for those kind of results. What do you, even tonight, you know, what, what kind of spoil are you looking for? Right? For who will hearken unto you in this matter. But as his part is that goeth down to the battle, so shall his part be that tarrieth by the stuff. They shall part alike. Only God could put something like that together. It just doesn't make sense on any other level. I mean, my, my dad had one verse memorized and I found out years later it wasn't even a verse. He just said, the Lord helps them that help themselves. <laughs> Dad, where's that scripture at? He didn't know, because I don't think it's in the Bible. Anybody ever find it? Right, I'm kind of brought up with that. The Lord helps them that help themselves. That was good for my dad, but, you know, I've moved above that. I'm at a different level. I'm just kidding. You know, I'm, the more mature I get, I'm still trying to get back to some things that my dad walked in, believe it or not. I mean that sincerely. The things I used to criticize are like I just was literally above it, spiritually above it, moved on. I wish I would have moved on with a bit more kindness <laughs> rather than leaving a trail behind me that I had to go back and kind of correct certain things. I'm not playing down the way I left town or any of that stuff. I just you know, like the further you go, like you look back and think, oh, I said that. I did. I did. I did that. That was in my heart. You know, those are the things that God's wanting us to connect with. Not so quick, Richie. Anyway, and I think God really, he did that they got the same reward, right? Those that stayed back, they were not to be, set, they weren't second rate. They weren't to be degraded. And as they degraded themselves, you know, it's, it's, my biggest problem with being degraded is not, you know, whatever you say is what I, what I buy into inside. That's my biggest enemy there. But God leveled the playing field. You mean those that did the mighty exploits, the mighty valiant warriors that went after them and pursued and, you know, they can't even take credit for that. Because David said, hey, it was God. Okay, it wasn't, it was God that did this. Anyway, we're moving towards the end of this um, 
Because I've been thinking about this since and I referenced it. The grace of God being the divine influence. I mean, really a part of it means the divine influence upon the heart. If we're going to finish this, it is really going to take a divine influence upon our hearts. God, put it in me. And at the beginning, it's, you know, it says, this is in Romans 10, it says, But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is, the word of faith, which we, which we preach. That if thou shalt, this was our beginning, right? That if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in thine heart that God has raised him up from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. You know, when God intersected us, or when I know when he intersected me, right? It, there, there really was, I didn't realize, but there was a, a divine moving. There was a drawing of the Lord upon my heart that really got this kick started. I, I can think it was this, I can think it was that. And I think, I think programs have really wreaked havoc and, and really um, possibly set back babe, baby Christians trying to force a confession when they're really out of somebody's heart when there was no moving of God on their heart at, be, at the beginning. I think, I think one of the best prayers parents can pray for their children is, Lord, uh, move, move on their heart. Make, let, let their heart be open, Lord. Because it's hard to gain traction. I mean, you look at when you when you talk to somebody, perhaps that the that the Lord hasn't really moved on their heart. How how much how much headway do you make with somebody? I mean, it would be in our best interest to try to discern: is there is the Lord really moved on their heart? Is he is, is their heart really open? I've done some damage, and you know. Trying to uh, say something, perhaps when they, when they're really just without a season, or maybe God really wasn't hasn't really moved on somebody's heart yet. You know, sometimes it just takes a little pause, and you see the result when 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 God has moved on somebody's heart, made their heart ready, made their heart soft. You know, you see uh, you see progress. So I really believe. You know, we we kind of laugh at what John Cheever once said about this being a well-oiled machine. I guarantee you one thing, it would be a much better uh, well-oiled machine if, <laughs> when all of us allow the influence of God upon our hearts to a greater degree. Yeah, that was, yeah he's saying that wasn't a compliment. No, that was that. Now that could be our undoing, I guess. No. Um, but you know what I mean. Things will work a bit smoother around here to the degree that there's the, the working of the Holy Spirit upon our hearts. To really, so it's, it's about heart. And God knows where your heart is tonight. Um, yeah, you read this in Acts 16. It was uh, Lydia, a seller of purple, says she worshiped God in whose heart the Lord had opened. So that she was attentive to the word. That's possibly some reason we're not as attentive to the word. The Lord just has not moved on our hearts yet. Or we, we've held him off. Or, or possibly we've 
we maintain a bit of um, of a hardness there in our heart. Because um, I, I think when my heart is not open to God, it, it can be a protect mechanism against hurt. You know, I don't, I can't, I don't think I can handle any more pain. So I get a little bit hard. And, and it's also a form of control. Uh, you know, I could, you know, if I keep my heart hard, I mean, I can be in control, I think, I guess. It's a, it's a protection. And I think um, it's a protect against pain and disappointment that, that I might not get what I want from God. He's not giving me what I want, so my heart is a bit, it can, it can harden off. And the result really can be I end up losing heart. I end up losing heart. Um, Psalm 27 says, I had fainted. It has fainted again. <laughs> I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord. It wasn't a matter of seeing it. It was, it was a matter of believing, which involves trust. Trusting that I'm going to see it. Trusting that his thoughts toward me are are for good and not evil. Um, King, New King James says, I would have lost heart unless I believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Bottom line here is regardless of whether I'm weary and yet pursuing or I feel faint of heart tonight, whatever the scenario may be, wherever you may find yourself, I believe, and I have this confidence that I didn't have before. That God's got you. He knows your heart. And he's got it. He, he's going to get us through to the end, folks. I, I, I believe that's the kind of father that we're serving. Um, Ezekiel 36, 26 says, A new heart also will I give you. Anybody need a new heart tonight? Hey, God. <laughs> Thank you. You're take, taking the stony heart out and giving me a heart, a soft heart. A new heart also will I give you and a new spirit. This is God. This is the Heavenly Father that we serve. A new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh. And I will give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you. Okay. Anytime you see the word cause, it's incumbent upon God to do. That's something that he's doing, folks. I will cause you. He's going to be the one that's going to cause you and cause me and sustain you and I with a heart that's soft and open to receive from him. And I will cause you to walk in my statutes and you shall keep my judgments and do them. So Lord, help us. Tonight, touch us, Lord, with uh, just a heart that will continue on, Lord. We cry out tonight for a heart that would endure, hands that would be strong, and a heart that would endure. We know, Lord, that you can supply that. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening.
There's um, nobody in the room tonight that has an advantage. You know, unless God has given them a dream or said something as far as what tomorrow brings. And, and Richard uh, emphasizing that is, is really the guts of where we all are. And, you know, we've said this before, and, and I was sitting there, and I felt the Holy Spirit just kind of writes this. I like it when the Holy Spirit does the scripting. It's not so good when the enemy does, because he's smart, too. And sometimes we buy. But when you realize, to a great extent, that we have, we have to learn, un, we have... Uh, we're in a process of learning against what we learned. Do you understand? Because it was, you can do this. You can do this now. I mean, you get to it. You, you read those scriptures. You get up in the morning and, and people would give a laundry list of what could happen. But the reality is, and we get this and we even get it with some of the folks who are traveling and different ones. They, they're very upset when we say that it's impossible with a man. We say it's impossible. And uh, I think David opened up an, a, a convention with, uh, with that very line. And when you understand that, reliance and weakness is, is a wonderful thing. And, and, you know, when you're talking about the the drugs you were taking in that night. Because, you know, Richard was the most uh, fixed and focused uh, <laughs> that I've seen. And, and some of those drugs, he, he would just blink a couple of times and he looked like he was, you know, a butterfly leaving the place. I, uh, but, uh, uh, and I said something about it and, and I realized that he was struggling with a problem and there's nobody in the room that doesn't go through deep, dark places because there, there are saviors to be on Mount Zion. That's not a loose word. And, and so this, this inability to do this has to be ingrained in it, in us, but there's still the soul that has to stay under God, confessing that and saying, I can't, but I must, please help me, God. And then the waiting, and, and this, this line of waiting for God to open that door, and we're, you're gonna just flop and make mistakes like a bad omelet. And you know, you're all over the floor with self. But, but when you realize that the Lord is demolishing this self, capacity you know I mean I ran a long time on a gift thinking that I was really going to be a helper and you've heard me say that I want to read something as, as we close tonight but remember this you don't offer yourself and the the abomination it's an abomination uh, for those who belong to God for me for you everybody in the room here who knows Christ it's an abomination for me to not offer myself because 
It's the abomination that Daniel spoke of. It's the abomination that leads to desolation. I mean, what am I for? I'm nothing. And, and I'm convinced, and I know for sure that every one of us have those days we don't offer. You go for a while and you'll get so gnarly. Talking about losing your heart. And I, I cheer myself up with Solzhenitsyn once in a while. Because he went through uh, the gulag. He was arrested and taken out of his house. And I, I don't know, and I'm looking at the, at the worst side of this because I see such a sedentary, docile, passive America when, when, we're, when the, 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 the takeover is, is a stranglehold and, and, and America is choking to death as we've known it. And, and it, it should and it will, just like this place is temporary. Don't get so ingrained that you, 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 you think you can't be mobile or that we're going to be all that what we are. And, and I want you to listen to what he said here because it's really powerful. And, and one of the lines, uh, Solzhenitsyn, when he was, he had uh, uh, brain cancer, I think I told you, and he was healed. And these, these were hardly doctors that were there uh, in the gulag. And he said that, that he, his confession when he was healed, because they gave him a, a few weeks to live. And his confession, uh, you know, was this was for purpose. It had meaning for me. And of course, he came to America. He, he wrote in the, his writings on scraps of papers that he sneaked out. He went to... Um, he, he received the, the Nobel Prize. But I want you to hear what he says in regard entering prison because he's coaching. When he wrote this, he was coaching individuals because the rest went on and on. Listen to how he, how he says it. What do, you, what, you, what do you need to make you stronger when the interrogator and you're involved in the whole trap? And then he says it this way, and it's, it's, it's wonderful, but we can't do this either. For the moment you go to prison, you must put your cozy past firmly behind you. At the very threshold, you must say to yourself, my life is over, a little early to be sure, but there's nothing to be done about it. I shall never return to freedom. I am condemned to die. Now or a little later, but later on in truth, it will be even harder. And so the sooner, the better. I no longer have any property whatsoever. For me, those I love have died, and for them, I have died. From today on, my body is useless and alien to me. Only my spirit and my conscience, conscience, conscience remains precious and important to me. And, and he says this, and there's another section where he writes. He, he says, uh, the interrogator looking in the eyes of someone who is not afraid, who says, I'm dead, I have no more life. Uh, well, we have your wife and children. I don't have wife and children, they're gone. 
Uh, and a man who can stand in that is not standing in his own strength. Uh, and this, he was a prophet. He didn't even know at the time he was a prophet. He grew up into Christ under the pressure of the gulag. That's where this man grew up. And folks, America is getting uh, a dashing. It's insane out there, I don't have to tell you. And, I, and I'm saying, we have a God on our side. We do not know what is ahead. We do not. But we must daily offer ourselves so that, so that the, the scripts that God writes for us are inside. And that which is inside that God puts in you through your experience and the tailor-made dying difficulty, affliction, you know, the, a God who's treating you and me as a son. Every son he, he, he loves. He censures. He, he, he deals with. And those he receives, he scourges. So God help us to realize we, no matter how strong we feel or how muscled up or what we, we know, we, we have to rely and say my dependence is on God. Otherwise, you continue to offer yourself to the world. It's the abomination that leads to total desolation. And don't, don't believe me today. <laughs> don't believe Richard's point. But, but the, the understanding that we have to come to the weak place is one of the most important things you'll ever learn. Because God is not with, he's with the foolish. He's using the foolish to destroy the, the arrogant and the strong. Thank you, Lord. Uh, tonight, I would, I'd like to pray for uh, the, the circumstance of our, of our sister, Kathy. And if we could all bow our heads and, and for a minute here in silence and ask the Lord to, to cover her. She's looking at death every day. And until someone here says there's something else going to take place, uh, that's happening. There are others who are going through things. Uh, my little, little guy from the M13, I can't find, he doesn't answer his phone. His brother says he's in trouble. They can't find him. So Lord, we thank you tonight. for your hand upon us. And we ask you to touch our sister tonight. We absolutely assure that she's in your hands. We thank you for the, the life and the, and the faith that, that she's shown. But great God, let us remind us of, of the circumstance. And we're going to keep knocking. We're going to keep talking to you, Father. And we have no understanding of the why. But we ask you to give us a thankful heart, as Richard has said, and a heart that comes because you've said, I will put my laws 
and my heart would mend you. God, help us to believe that tonight in all that we face and all that Kathy will face. Let her know that your heart is, is with her and in her. It's a part of her birth in Jesus Christ. Amen.